0: If I can, let me invite you to return to your chairs. Please stay standing. We're going to read that passage that is read every Monday, Thursday, or a portion of it, from Jesus' time at dinner with His disciples, where He serves them and loves them. So give your attention to God's Word from John chapter 13. I'm only going to read the first nine verses this evening. rose from supper he laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel tied it around his waist Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples feet and wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him he came to simon peter who said to him lord do you wash my feet Jesus answered him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Our God, we pray that you would send us your spirit, that he might help us to see Christ, that great servant, our Lord and Savior, and help us to love him and follow him. And we pray it in his name. Amen. Please be seated. You know, if you hang around church people very long, one of the things you'll hear people say is that Jesus came to serve us. In the past tense, talking about that once for all action of Jesus to redeem us, meaning His life, His death, His resurrection, His ascension, all of that. But this passage presents us with a little bit of a challenge. Jesus' servanthood here is presented as a key part of the way that we are to relate to Jesus. Jesus without denying His once-for-all sacrifice for us, we could say that this passage is teaching us something very present. The present reality that Jesus is our servant. Jesus is serving us. He is our servant. And it sounds a little bit odd to say that. If you feel like that sounds a little bit odd in your ears, you're not the only one. Peter had problems with that kind of language, with that thought. Peter seems as to have some discomfort with what's going on. And he asked Jesus, Lord, you're washing my feet? I'm the one who's supposed to be the servant here. You're the one who is the Lord. I'm supposed to be the one washing your feet. Why are you washing my feet? I assume that Peter is making the same kind of observation and protest that you and I might make. We are the servants of Jesus. We ought to be washing his feet, not him washing ours. I can only think that it must have been surreal to be one of the disciples who was sitting there that night, watching Jesus humble Himself in this way to take on the job of a servant. It was customary, of course, for someone to wash, for a servant to wash the feet of a guest when they came into a home. The streets were nasty. They had mud and dirt and dust. And more vividly, they had animal and human excrement out in the streets. They were nasty places to walk in the first century. And so, when people would come in, their feet would be washed. But in this case, something different is going on because it seems that the guests have already arrived. They're already sitting at dinner. They're already in the midst of eating we could presume that their feet had already been washed for cleanliness. But Jesus, in order to make the point for the disciples, waits until everybody's enjoying their dinner and then He raises up and stands and takes off His outer garments and puts on a towel to cover Himself. And then He fills a bowl with water and He walks to each one of these 12 disciples, Judas included, and He stoops down And he holds their feet. And he washes them gently. And then he towels them off and dries them off with the towel that's wrapped around him. I can only imagine how embarrassing this must have felt for the disciples. Jesus was their rabbi. He was the teacher. Jesus was the one that they had been following around for three years. They had gone around and told anybody who would listen their family, their friends, their community, strangers, that this man was the Christ, that he was the Messiah. Not only that, that he was the Son of God who had come into flesh, had come in flesh into this world and was the one who would not just redeem Israel but would make things right again. And now this person... Was the one who was humbling himself and serving them in this way. I can imagine that few, if any, of the disciples felt completely comfortable with what was happening. I wonder if some of them just thought, I'm going to endure this awkwardness and try not to make a scene. Just get through it, because I'm not really sure what's happening here. But Peter likes to make scenes. And Peter protests at this. I wonder what Peter was thinking. I, I, I imagine that Peter was thinking that in some way, Jesus doing this, this was below Jesus' station. You know, Jesus was diminishing himself in some way by doing this. But Jesus wants Peter to see that he's not diminished in any way by humbling himself and serving in fact, this act of service was Jesus' way of showing His love and His glory. Jesus is teaching the disciples what His glory is going to look like. It's going to look like servanthood. It's fascinating. Jesus is living out what Paul will write in a couple of decades, that Christ hymn in the book of Philippians. That though he was in the form of God, he took the form of a servant going to death, even death on a cross. And it is in that servanthood, that place of being low, that Jesus is glorified, that we see his greatest glory. In fact, it says that he is exalted because of that lowly position. He's exalted over everything in heaven and on earth. So why is it that Peter resisted? Why was this hard for Peter? Well, because for Peter, Jesus' humility here, His servanthood didn't match the respectable kind of religion that was so natural for Peter. What do I mean by that respectable religion? Well, I mean that impulse that many church people like us have. The impulse to be right. Right? The impulse to appear better than other people, the impulse to be respectable, the impulse to be successful, the impulse to play the game correctly in church. And so Peter couldn't help himself. He had to tell Jesus that he knew the score here. He knew what was supposed to happen. Jesus was the one to be exalted. He was the one to be the lowly servant. So Jesus, don't stop doing that. You're not going to wash my feet. Remember, I know how to do this respectable religion game. But Jesus wants His disciples to see Him as their servant for some reason. And here's why. Because if they can't see Jesus in serving them in this moment, they're never going to be able to grasp the power of the cross. The humility of the cross. The sacrifice of the cross that will be coming the following day. Did you notice verse 7? Jesus responds to Peter and he says, This, what I'm doing, uh, what I'm doing, you do not understand now, but afterward you're going to understand. After what? After the cross, after the grave, after the resurrection on Sunday, after seeing Jesus, after all of that, Peter will be able to see. He'll be able to see that in humbling Himself, Jesus is dismantling every vestige of that respectable religious impulse in His people. He was living out exactly what He taught the disciples back in Mark, that He who would be great among you must be your servant. If you want to be great, the way to do that is to become a servant. We could say it this way, that the majesty of God was displayed in the menial task of servanthood. Isn't that amazing? God's glory is displayed in His disrobing and washing His disciples' feet. And then to add to that... (laughs) He wants to make sure that Peter embraces this view of servanthood. Verse 8 If I don't wash you, you don't have any share with me. It's as though he's saying, If you don't allow me to serve you in this way, then you won't, then you'll never be able to be with me. One writer says it this way If I can't be your servant in the way that you relate to me, then. You can't have my lordship in your service to me. Jesus is demanding that Peter and us humble ourselves before him. It must have felt humiliating for the disciples to let Jesus wash their feet. And that's what Jesus is calling us to. We, we must allow Jesus to serve us in this way. We have to allow Him to lower Himself, to allow Him to, to take the form of a servant, to let Him leave His rightful place at God's right hand, to Him, for Him to give up His privilege, for Him to give up His own life in servanthood. If we want Jesus, this is how you receive him, by resting in his complete service, in his complete servanthood of us. We have to be like the disciples and have to sit there and watch Jesus pick up our feet and wash them and cleanse, not just our feet, because Peter thought he was just talking about feet, and Jesus was talking about about a whole cleansing like Ezekiel was talking about, that we would be fully cleansed by Christ. So what happens? If you allow yourself to see the humility and the weakness of Jesus' salvation, it changes you. It changes people when this happens. People are made new. They begin to have a religion that, that Well, that's less about being right and looking the part and playing the game. Instead, you will become people who will begin to delight in the overwhelming grace and the mercy of God that God Himself would leave heaven and come to earth simply to become a servant of His people to ensure that His people could be with Him forever. That He would overlook not just overlook, but enter into your own brokenness and lack of cleanliness. And He would cleanse you. He would take your sin and He would make you right. That you would begin to delight in the depth of God's love and His mercy for you. Because, see, if we are able to do that, that's the only way that we can read a passage like we just read from Romans 8. Who will separate us from the love of God? What could possibly come between us and a Savior who would go to such depths? How can we live? How can you live with the kind of confidence in life of knowing that you are forgiven? It is only by seeing the humiliation of Jesus in a moment like this. Seeing the determination to which he would go to serve his people and to bring them renewed life. In that, you can find the confidence to begin to go forward in all of the challenges of life. You become different people. The 12 guys sitting in that room became different people. One of them went away, but the others, we could tell the stories of the way that these 11 changed the world. They began to give of themselves. They took to heart what Jesus would say later on that night, my new, a new commandment I give to you that you would love one another. That in this love the world would know that you are my disciples. The disciples became people who gave up their rightful places in the world. They gave up any sort of reputations that they would gain for the good of their people. They gave up any sort of privilege that might have come to them or that they might have had beforehand. And that's the calling for us. We are to be people whose reputation in the world is of those who give up that which is rightfully theirs for the benefit of other people. Giving up our economic status. Giving up our reputation. Giving up our rightful places in society. Giving up our privileges. Giving up those things that we think will make life comfortable. That's the calling, to enter into servanthood of others. And not just the other people that we think are great. The people that we don't really like all that much. The people that are difficult for us. The people who we would never say it because we're too respectable, but we think we're a little bit better than. We think we've achieved more than them. that we are called to be their servants. And here's the thing. If we are able to see Jesus in that place, to be transformed in such a way that we are able to follow him to that place of servanthood, that, by that, will they know that we are his disciples. And in that, this world will find life. It's the promise and the hope of this passage. He was and is a servant so that we can be as well. Okay, let's stop there and pray. Father, we pray that You might allow us to take on the servanthood that You so willingly took on for us. We pray that you We might see You, Christ, that in Your humility, You show forth Your majesty. Help us to see that and to love it. We pray in Christ's name, amen.